your word to us and open our hearts and our minds and fill us with the wonder that is your revelation, that is Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we thank you for this time, and we ask that as we spend a few minutes together organizing our thoughts and thinking through some of your word, that, Lord, first of all, that you'd be glorified as you ought to be. Uh, Gloria in excelsis, in excelsis. Glory in the highest to you, Lord. And then secondly, we want to glorify you ourselves by being more drawn to you and more obedient and run to you like a child runs to her mother when she needs help. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the wonder of Christmas. Just a few thoughts in my eight-minute sermon. <laughs> no, it won't be too long. <laughs> the wonder of Christmas. First of all, Jesus was sent from the Father. This basic truth nailed down in the, even in this reading that I read. This beautiful idea. Jesus was sent from the Father. He came with a purpose. He came exactly, perfectly on time. And he came with a, a divine power to do what God wanted him to do. And this is really a basic idea here, but it's so important. There really is a father. At the beginning of the book of John, it reminds us, verse 18 of chapter 1, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. You can live in this world and look around and experience life. And you can be drawn to the wonder and the beauty and the joy of life. We live in a beautiful place here. I tell people all the time, yeah, yeah, I commute 20 minutes to work, but it's the most beautiful commute in the world. <laughs> Every day I get to look at the Pacific Ocean and, and it's always a different face. It's so wonderful and beautiful, but it's also cold and destructive, isn't it? It's called the Pacific Ocean. Uh, that means peaceful. It's very peaceful. You can, you know, just go ahead, go swimming out there today. <laughs> you know, it's scary, cold, and dark, <laughs> and people die there every day. It, this world is wonderful, but it's also scary and can be very depressing. And you, you, you know there's a God, but you, you haven't seen God, and He's revealed Himself, He's all over, but the Word says no one has ever seen God. So we depend on him to reveal himself to us. I'm here. And not only did he reveal himself in nature, which is, again, wonderful and yet uh, open to interpretation. He reveals himself in the word, specifically. He teaches us. And he's revealed himself through his son. And in the words of John, the apostle here, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And so Jesus has come, and he teaches us there is a Father. And it's not some impersonal God of just an urge, uh, just a power, you know, like the, the Buddhists like to talk about 
the Om, or is that the Hindus? I think the Hindus, excuse me. Actually, I, I know a Buddhist priest, and she's always into that Om thing too. So, um, whichever, right? But this, this, this concept, what, what is Om? You can see it on cars all over Monterey. What is Om? Well, they tell us, I asked them this specifically, what is this? It, well, it's a sound, Om, Om, and it's, you know what, this, it's the sound of the universe creating itself. It's, in, it's uh, impersonal, that's for sure. It's cold, it's, and it's not very articulate, apparently. It only knows one syllable. Um, I'm sorry. God has revealed himself through Jesus, and he says God the Father is a father, a loving, good father. Uh, there is a God who knows and he cares. There is a Father who gives us what we really need. At the core of the universe, there's a loving Father, not a, a cold nothing, an emptiness, a, a, a black hole that has no intelligence or emotion. No, there's a Father. He sent help, loving, good help. There is a God who knows and cares. Uh, in our passage in John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. The story of Christmas is summed up in the word Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, that word means God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now He's with us. God with us. It's wonderful, beautiful revelation of God. Warm, personal, interpersonal, relational. I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. The most important announcement in church today is, we should have a big rose on the organ, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The Father gave us this great help. Here's another really basic point on this idea. Jesus was sent from the Father, that Jesus is the perfect, perfectly obedient Son. He's perfectly obedient. Did you hear that in the text I read? I came to do the will of the Father. I'm not here on my own. Let me read it again. So Jesus said to them, oh, this is, this is from our sermon last week or the week before. So Jesus, this is verse uh, 28 through 29 of John 8. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man. Now, that sounds weird to us. Like, what are they going to do? Grab him and put him on their shoulders and, you know, carry him through town and sing, for he's a jolly good fellow. Um, it seems like code word. Well, it's opened up for us as the revelation continues, and in John 12, it specifically says, this is talking about the crucifixion. They're going to lift him up. And remember in John 3, it said, the sun must be lifted up like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and he's going to be put on a staff, a pole, a cross. When he's lifted up, so this is John 8, 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority. 
but speak just as the Father taught me. So there's a high fidelity here. There's a perfect reflection of the actual truth about God the Father. Do you want to know who God is? He has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know the truth about God? This is rather important. Do you want to mess this up? You want to make a big, huge blunder? I'm a guy who makes a lot of mistakes. I don't know about you, but I just make a lot of silly mistakes, and sometimes they're worse than others. Uh, a lot of times because I haven't really thought things through that well. It, it irks my dear sweet wife. I try her patience constantly. Like, why didn't you think about this? <laughs> um, none of you other guys can relate to that, right? It's just, it's just me, right? Um, you know that old phrase, measure twice, cut once? I'm the kind of guy that measure once, cut twice. You know, I'm sorry. When, when am I going to learn this? You know, But it's not so with Jesus. It's perfect fidelity, perfect submission. Jesus isn't making up stuff about God. He's telling us the truth. He says, but, I, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. So we say, Emmanuel, God with us. And while Jesus was on the earth, God the Father was with him too. Uh, he was with the Father in the beginning. He's always with the Father, except perhaps at that most crucial moment on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took our rejection on himself on the cross. But other than that, he's completely with God. You see how important this is? Because uh, a whole lot of people that are wonderful American folks uh, they, they believe they're okay with God. You could even ask them, are you okay with God? Oh, sure. You know, God's totally happy with me. But, you know, what do you believe about Jesus? Did, did he have to die for your sins? No, that's insulting. My sins aren't that bad. You know, I, I wouldn't think that uh, God himself would have to come and die for my sins. I mean, after all, I'm, I'm way better than most people. I'm pretty good. I have a spark of divinity in me. And if I work a little harder, I'm going to save myself. Well, that's just like every other religion in the world. Uh, teaching people that if you just work a little harder, you work our system, uh, you, you're going to be right with God. And what does that lead to? A lot of people who feel really cravenly empty and scared at the end of the day. I've done a lot of counseling. I, uh, Clinton's mother's here, uh, this lady holding the... Beautiful, beautiful Jesus Maris, <laughs> and she's going to become a hospital chaplain. And I was telling her, I, I, my first part of my ministry, I was a hospital chaplain for 13 years. So I ended up with lots and lots and lots of conversations with people. And I can't tell you how many people would say, I'm a Christian, you know, name the denomination. But then you ask them, do you know that you're right with God? Well, I hope so. I think maybe. And it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy of the church that we haven't preached the gospel. We haven't taught the gospel. The gospel is, on your own, you're hopeless, but in Jesus, you're filled with hope uh, because he has died for your sins. And he's the Savior, and you can trust him. And that's what he means when he says, I do exactly what the Father wants me to do. There is a Father. 
And Jesus is the perfectly obedient son. I've raised a, a few sons. I have five wonderful sons, and several of them are right here. And it's always so wonderful when they're obedient, and they're really very, very obedient kids. They really are. It's quite amazing. Uh, don't tell them that they don't need to be obedient because they think they should be. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but, I, you know, there's nothing that gives a father more joy than a son who's obedient, who actually listens and does what he says. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And that's Jesus. He's, he, he did the worst horrible work ever to, to be blamed for our sins perfectly obedient, never rebellious. He questioned in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, do I have to do this? You know, if, if at all possible, could you take this thing away from me? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, in his birth, is the perfect obedient son, the perfectly obedient son. Jesus changes our identity and our eternity. He changes our identity and our eternity. Did you notice in this text that he's saying to them, you are of your father, the devil? Earlier he said, yeah, I, I know you're you know, genetically from Abraham. Uh, yes, that's true. Uh, see verse 37. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. He says, yes, genetically, you guys who are arguing with me, yes, you're the sons of Abraham, granted, but you're not acting like that. You're acting like you're the son of the devil himself. You're not of God. Earlier in the text, he said, I'm from above. You are from below. Uh, you aren't born again. You are of your father, the devil, still. And Jesus changes our identity. He can change you from being the son of darkness to the son of light to the son, being a child of light. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. That's in chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, as you and I become more and more submitted to God and more and more, uh, more, and more His disciples, and we fulfill this word. It says, whoever follows me. And this isn't a Twitter follow, by the way. You know, <laughs> I've got a Twitter account, um, and I never use it. I, and I have followers. And I said, what, what? In fact, every once in a while, I'll get a notice. So-and-so's following you. Like, huh? <laughs> What's to follow? <laughs> I don't tweet, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I guess I should. I mean, if I've got a follower, I better give them something, you know? But, and I, I follow several people, but honestly, I never read their tweets, right? That's not the kind of following Jesus is interested in, right? Let's just say, you know, not, not a little boxy check, yeah, I'm a follower. No. <laughs> He's talking about active, really being my disciple. Active, really doing it. We had that from last week. Um, look at uh, verse 31, a very poignant verse. This is one of those diamonds that shines out. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, you know, welcome, we're so glad you're here. You believe? You're the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Look what he said. Look what he said in verse 31. If you abide in my word, 
you are truly my disciples. So Jesus isn't interested in people who'll check the box, say, yeah, I'll follow you on Twitter. No, he's interested in people like you and I who demonstrate that we're born again by being true disciples who follow him, who abide in his word, who are biblically literate and seek to know God in truth through the gorgeous revelation that he has given us. We change from children of darkness to children of light or into the light. And as we continue to grow in that process, we will be people who know God more. My goal as a pastor is, is to irritate you enough, or I should say stimulate you enough, <laughs> that you want to know God more. Uh, that you, I, my goal is every Christian a theologian. You should be a theologian. What does that mean? Somebody who loves God, who studies God, who's knowing more and more about God. Amen. That's where we should be. We should be people of light, and that will bring us love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. We should be growing in that. We should be generally optimistic people, not curmudgeons, not complaining all the time, not bitter but people of light. This is really cool as I was studying through this. This is the commissioning of Jesus to Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus, right? Very awesome scene. It's Acts 26. It's recorded, Acts 26, 17 through 18. And this is uh, Jesus speaking to Paul. So he's going from the persecutor of the church to the guy who loves Jesus, who's trying to promote the church with every ounce of life that he has. This is this, uh, Acts 26, 17. Jesus speaking. To whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. See, the wonder of Christmas is that Jesus came to change your very identity, to change who you are. You won't be a person of darkness. You won't be a person of Satan. I saw a lady in the store with these you know, pajama bottoms on. Back when I was a kid, ladies used to wear pants to stores. But, <laughs> but that's another story. Wear your pajama bottoms, that's fine. But they were black, and they had little Santa Claus faces on them, and then below Santa Claus, this crossbones. And I was thinking, yeah, this fascination with death, you know, this goth sort of interesting weirdness. That shouldn't be a believer. We're into light. We're into life. We're delivered from the power of Satan. That you may receive forgiveness of sins. Excuse me. I'm back to the quote here. Let me, let me quote it right. It's so awesome. Acts 26. To whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from... That's repentance, isn't it? Turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We're introducing this beautiful hope 
that your identity, your very identity as a human being can be changed. And it's gradual, it's growth. Christianity has not been tried and found faulting. It has not been tried. It's a process, it's commitment, it's growth, it's follow, it's abide, it's grow, it's change. Here's 1 Thessalonians 5.5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So I ask you, if you're a believer, you profess to be a believer, is your life characterized by light? Are you rejoicing in the Lord whenever it's convenient? Are you thankful in the circumstances you pre-approved? You know that the, I don't want to be too morbid here, but the number of emergency department visits in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control, for self-inflicted injury in the U.S., 713,000 people a year. 713,000, it's almost a million. And there's nearly 40,000 deaths by suicide in the United States. Um, and you know, there's, we've been talking a lot about gun violence, and it's a very important issue, and I'm not here to politically comment on it, but listen to this. You know, about, about 30,000 people die from gunshots in the U.S. That's similar to auto accidents. But 65% of those are self-inflicted. Did you know that? I heard that on the radio, and I checked it out. It's according to the Centers for Disease Control. What's the point here? We live in a society that's really depressed, really sad. They, they, we live amongst people who need help. They need joy. They need change. They need a change of identity. They need to be growing in their relationship with God. They need to be converted to get out of death and into life, out of darkness and into light. That's the glorious wonder of Christmas. That's the hope of the gospel. And, and secondly, I said, it changes our identity and our eternity. We move from death to life. These are some of the gems of John. This is John 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, Jesus is saying this extremely emphatically. Extremely emphatically. If he had a pulpit, he'd be pounding it. He probably didn't have a pulpit. <laughs> when he says truly, truly, he's not lisping or just repeating himself. He's saying this is absolute truth. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. He changes our eternity. Here's John 8, 51, the same introduction. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, the Greek word is tereo, which means to guard, to protect. You love this thing of value. You will protect it. You'll give your life to keep it secure. The word of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
That was from our text this morning, 8.51. And here's 8.24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. There's two options then, to live or to die. And the difference is believing in Jesus or not. He changes our eternity. Listen to a little bit more scripture. This is Second uh, Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. That's saying, don't be ashamed of the story of Jesus. It's, it's the best thing we have. It's the most important announcement ever. Unto us, a son, a child. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us. You know, we don't earn this. It's a gift. You receive it. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He chose us to salvation before he even started time ticking. He gave to us before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He can change your identity and your eternity a wonder of Christmas. And then finally, what is the wonder of Christmas? The great I am. How does he do this? We, by who he is and what he has accomplished. Uh, it was fantastic that we had Mary, Did You Know? Uh, sung by Dominique this morning. It, and it ends with the, that beautiful paragraph, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? That's his power. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Look at this at the very end of the text. Did you notice when I read that, it caused a great stir? You could say John 8 is the I am passage because he's been using this term over and over and he's always like pushing the envelope. Jesus, like they're saying, what, what did you, what, did you hear that? He said that. Ego me. it's the Greek, I am. What is he saying by that? It seems like he's crossing the line into blasphemy because that is what the, the Greek Old Testament uses in translating the phrase, God said to Moses, I am that I am. And Jesus seems to be claiming to be Yahweh. And, and he, he breaks it open there at the very end. Verse 57, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? You know, they're snorting with cynicism or anger. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, there's that em emphasis again extremely emphatically. Truly, truly, I say to you, I just love the power of that. He's here to tell us the truth. 
I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Greek there is ego me, just a plain, straight-out statement. I am, I am God. That's why they picked up stones to throw at him. Uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. We had a psalm this morning that rehearsed the Exodus a little bit. It's the epic analogy of salvation uh, laid out in all of Scripture. And I want to read this story here a little bit. Listen to Exodus 3. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, that's Yahweh, Yahweh, the Hebrew name for God, based on the Hebrew verb to be, the self-existing God. Then Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. See, there is a father. He knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the cries and the pain and the suffering. Verse 8, And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I was uh, eating my, well, drinking my coffee and preparing this sermon this morning, and out from one of the back bedrooms, I heard a cry. <laughs> My granddaughter, uh, Beatrice, decided to wake up. And she wakes up hungry. In fact, her first sentence was, Beatrice hungry. <laughs> she wants to eat. And uh, she, she lets her mommy know. And my daughter, Katrina, brought her in. I'm at the table trying to uh, work on this sermon, and they decided to have French toast, you know, <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> so I decided to go in the other room. But <laughs> what's the point? Mom hears the cry and attempts to meet the need as best as she can. And this is God, the Father. There is the parent. There's somebody who hears, who cares. When you cry, you don't 
cry alone. You don't suffer alone. That's Satan who whispers that into your ear. There's Satan who pushes you towards suicide, towards depression. No, there's somebody who you believe his word. He hears. He hears. He's sending help. Help is on the way. And I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. You know, the eternity is great. It's good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey to this place that I already read about. And verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this will be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And as I said, see, in the Greek translation of this, that's the word ego and me. And the Jews react violently to Jesus because he's claiming absolute unity with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Yahweh. He is God. He's the one who's fully capable of keeping his promises. He's the only one that's fully capable of saving us. And he will save us. He knows our sorrows. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And the great I am, God the Father, sends the great I am, the Son, Yahweh. They're, they One God, three persons. And he comes to save us. He sees. He's fully man and fully God. He's uniquely capable of saving us. And he sees, he cares, and has come to make it all better. I know that's what you say to a child. I, I'm going to make it all better. And we wish we could. We wish we could make it so that the child would never suffer again in our foolishness, right? But when God says that, it's really true. He will make it all better. That's the wonder of Christmas. He comes to make us right with himself for eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and worship you. Thank you for revealing yourself in the midst of this argument with the Pharisees. Lord, thank you for the glorious gospel, the truth that Jesus Christ is powerful and able to save, and he took our sins, he took your anger and your wrath, O Father, on himself on the cross, and he was lifted up. Uh, Lord, we're thankful that he died for us and he was buried and that he rose again. He was lifted up out of the grave and he was lifted up into heaven.
and he's lifted up and returned to his full former glory. And yet at the same time, he's still our intercessor, our representative in heaven, praying for us. We thank you, Lord, for this great salvation. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would would listen to the gospel, that we would be changed in our identity and our eternity because of who Jesus Christ is. Give us faith and confidence in him, Lord. We want to obey and be his followers. Through Jesus, amen.